The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. It's Wednesday, October 12th, 2022. I'm Jackson Bird. Today, the verdict on that asteroid that NASA hit with a spacecraft last month. Plus, Tom Cruise's latest plan to make history in space and the latest Cards Against Humanity expansion pack that you can only buy at Target and which is submerged within a jar of clam-flavored mayonnaise. Here's some cool stuff for your ride home. Remember two weeks ago when NASA intentionally crashed a spacecraft into an asteroid? Well, now we've got the details on how it went. So DART, or the Double Asteroid Redirection Test, slammed into the asteroid Dimorphos at 14,000 miles per hour on September 26th. Dimorphos was never a threat to Earth, just an unfortunate test subject. Dimorphos orbits the larger asteroid Didymos, and the point of the test was to see if a collision could knock the asteroid off its orbit, therefore proving that as a viable method for nudging any asteroids on a path for Earth off their trajectory to protect us from any potential future impacts. DART was a wee spacecraft with basically just a camera on board, which shared images every second as it approached the asteroid. But, you know, since the whole point was to collide with the asteroid, the images would therefore stop as soon as DART hit Dimorphos, because the satellite would be obliterated upon impact. I was hosting trivia at a bar during the impact and ended up pausing the quiz so that we could all watch it together, and it was hilarious watching a whole room of people, both there in the bar and on the live stream from NASA, erupt in cheers and applause when the signal cut out. Like, that is the only time you're going to get that reaction to a lost signal. But if the signal was lost, how do we have data on what happened? Well, from a number of places. Quoting Wired, Scientists observed the dark collision several ways. As the probe flew towards its target, it first glimpsed the oncoming space rock with its onboard optical camera, called Draco. Dimorphos is so small and far from Earth that astronomers previously weren't sure if it would be a solid sphere or a loose dust ball. That first look revealed it to be a bumpy, slightly oval-shaped rock with boulders strewn about. The craft, along with the camera, were destroyed on impact, but they were being trailed by Lucia Cube, a briefcase-sized spacecraft developed by the Italian Space Agency that detached from DART 15 days before impact and did its own flyby, snapping photos a few minutes after the collision. 
Astronomers also used telescopes on Earth to monitor the collision, including the Southern Astrophysical Research Telescope in Chile, the Las Cumbres Observatory Telescopes in South Africa, the Lowell Discovery Telescope in Arizona, as well as the Hubble and the James Webb Space Telescopes. These telescopes captured what appeared to be rays or a comet-like tail extending from the asteroid, confirming the crash caused rocky debris to fly away. End quote. And you can check out the Ars Technica link in the show notes if you want to see some of the photos. They are pretty awesome. And also, fun fact, when you Google terms like DART mission, DART NASA, or DART asteroid, a little animated version of the DART spacecraft zooms across your screen, hits it, and then slightly tilts your page of results. But anyways, ahead of impact, NASA had said that anything around a 10-minute change to Dimorphos' orbit would be considered a success. Actually, a recent NASA press release said that they were defining a minimum successful orbit period change as 73 seconds or more. Before the impact, Dimorphos took 11 hours and 55 minutes to orbit Didymos. After the impact, NASA can now confirm that Dimorphos is orbiting Didymos in 11 hours and 23 minutes, a change of 32 minutes. That is far more successful than the agency could have hoped for, although still within the range of their models. This marks the first time humanity has purposefully changed the motion of a celestial object. As NASA Administrator Bill Nelson said in a statement, quote, All of us have a responsibility to protect our home planet. After all, it's the only one we have. This mission shows that NASA is trying to be ready for whatever the universe throws at us. NASA has proven we are serious as a defender of the planet. This is a watershed moment for planetary defense and all of humanity, demonstrating commitment from NASA's exceptional team and partners from around the world. End quote. Now, as for how they measured this change in orbital time, it mostly came down to the light that the asteroid pair emits and how that changed over time. Quoting again from Wired, From Earth, the asteroid pair appears as a single dot, but its brightness decreases by about 10% every time Dimorphos eclipses Didymos or passes behind its neighbor. It's similar to measuring how exoplanets transit in front of the distant stars they're orbiting. End quote. So this is, without a doubt, a success, but there's a lot more information to be gleaned here, and practically applying it to real asteroid threats in the future will take a lot more work. For one, Scientific American explains, Dimorphos is more a loose collection of rocks than one solid chunk, and that worked in this mission's favor. Also, quoting Scientific American, when DART hit, a lot of debris shot out from the asteroid into tails, each one thousands of kilometers long, and their recoil probably accentuated Dart's impact, researchers said at the press conference, end quote. So while all of this works in theory, and Dart was an incredible proof of concept, it did take 10 months for Dart to get there from launch, not to mention lead time in planning the whole mission. Planetary scientist and Dart coordination lead Nancy Chabot emphasized in a press conference that time and warning is key here. In an ideal world, NASA would nudge an asteroid off its course for Earth when it's a decade out. But sometimes smaller asteroids are tough to see until they're too close. Fortunately, the more we study this one test case, the more we'll know about how to apply its findings more effectively when it really matters. 
Plus, come 2026, NASA will be launching a near-Earth object surveyor that could help us identify potential threats sooner. But for now, it's nice to have an indisputable success on the books. And in other space news, so I've mentioned before that Tom Cruise is planning to film a movie on the International Space Station. First announced back in 2020, the movie will be directed by Doug Lyman, and other than the predictable premise of a man having to save Earth, all we really know is that Universal has officially signed off on the project. And since a Russian actress and filmmaker pair beat Cruz to the punch at being the first people to shoot a feature film in space when they visited the ISS this time last year, Cruz has apparently made a suggestion to ensure he still gets his own first. As part of filming, he wants to be the first civilian to do a spacewalk outside of the station. Universal Film Entertainment Group chairman Donna Langley shared this information in an interview with the BBC last week, saying that Cruz will hopefully be the first person to do what's more formally known as an EVA, or extravehicular activity. The hopefully part might be less on the logistical and training side of things. Cruz famously does his own stunts, and after really upping the ante with Top Gun Maverick, literally doing his own stunts in space does seem like a natural progression, if you're already living in the alternate reality of his life. But no, the hopefully part in that line could be more down to the timeline. The all-civilian Polaris Dawn crew, led by billionaire Jared Isaacman, who purchased three more civilian SpaceX flights following his first successful flight, Inspiration4, last year, is planning a five-day mission on board a Crew Dragon capsule for this December, and plans for the mission include a spacewalk. If SpaceX is able to get an EVA suit ready in time, that seems to be a bit in question at the moment, that would make someone on the Polaris Dawn crew the first lucky civilian ever to do a spacewalk. But hey, Tom Cruise is hardly a civilian. He can still be the first actor to do a spacewalk, and the first person to do a spacewalk as part of a film shoot, and probably the first civilian doing a spacewalk on the ISS. And maybe the spacewalk won't pan out for this December Polaris Dawn mission, and Cruz will get his chance to be first all around anyways. There still aren't any confirmed timelines for when Cruz will be invading the ISS with a film crew. And speaking of uncertain timelines, this morning, NASA announced that the next launch attempt for the Artemis 1 mission will be Monday, November 14th. Backup dates are currently set for the 16th and 19th. The SLS rocket and Orion spacecraft have been chilling in the vehicle assembly building since Hurricane Ian forced them to take cover. NASA says they will roll back out to the launch pad as early as November 4th. It has been a long, bumpy road for Artemis 1 thus far, but NASA is sounding confident, writing in a blog post today that inspections and analyses over the previous week have confirmed that minimal work is required to prepare the rocket and spacecraft for launch. And ahead of this hurricane-caused rollback, the general sentiment from NASA seemed to be that the rocket would have been totally ready to go that week on its own had Ian not caused the launch to be canceled due to weather. So, fingers crossed for good weather in mid-November. Cards Against Humanity is one of two companies in which I'm a mild fan of their product, but a huge fan of everything else that they do. 
The other company is Liquid Death, who do genuinely produce a great lineup of sparkling and still canned water and have great environmental values, but their merchandise is fantastic and their hijinks are next level. Last week, they teamed up with Martha Stewart to make an all-black, life-sized, severed-hand candle, which is, of course, holding a life-size wax can of liquid death. And they even got Martha Stewart to make a commercial for it in which she chops off men's hands while cheerily discussing how much fun she had making the candles. Anyways, likewise, Cards Against Humanity's game, while obviously a roaring success since it launched in 2011, is not always my favorite. While most of the jokes that went over the line, making light of trans people, child abuse, people of color, disabled people, and sexual abuse have since been removed, a few do still remain, and I get that the point of the deck is to be offensive, but I'm also glad that they've been leaning more towards creative jokes and not just pandering to the lowest common denominator who thinks literally just seeing the name Helen Keller is the funniest joke in the world. Anyways, all that said, beyond their flagship card deck, Cards Against Humanity has gotten up to some supremely weird antics over the last decade. Mostly tied to the release of expansion packs or Black Friday, the company has done stuff like digging a hole on a livestream for absolutely no reason so long as people kept giving them money for it, created a fake chip brand called Original Prongles, sold people literal boxes of sterilized bullcrap for $6 each, ran a Black Friday anti-sale in which their card decks were marked up by $5, ran another one in which they asked people for $5 and gave them nothing in return, and in 2014, they literally bought a private island off Maine, giving 250,000 people who had purchased Kwanzaa-themed mystery packs a surprise one square foot of land on the island. And perhaps indicated by those 250,000 people buying mystery gifts, people really get into these stunts, which admittedly often have a charity angle as well. 30,000 people bought the boxes of bull feces, and 11,000 paid $5 for nothing. Over the last two years, the company took a more benevolent approach given world events. In 2020, instead of any kind of chaotic stunt, the company simply donated their entire $250,000 budget they would usually spend on Black Friday promotions to five different charities, including the Laughing at My Nightmare COVID-19 Relief Fund, which, if you haven't heard of it before, Laughing at My Nightmare is a nonprofit that supplies assistive technology and adaptive equipment to people living with muscular disorders. It was founded by writer, comedian, and now YouTube creator Shane Burkaw, who I highly recommend following online. I started following his blog on Tumblr years ago, and I cannot think of a better comedic match with Cards Against Humanity. I was thrilled when I heard about this collaboration while fact-checking the company's prank history this morning. Link to check out more from Shane is in the show notes. And then the next year, in 2021, for Black Friday, Cards Against Humanity decided to pay people $5 or more for completing various tasks. You could get $100 for getting the COVID vaccine that day, $5 for giving your mail carrier a hot dog, $5 for baking 12 identical biscuits in the shape of Paul Giamatti, and like a few other tasks, that one gave $5 to anyone who attempted it, but $10,000 to the winner of the best biscuits. 
And one of the more impossible-seeming tasks was successfully getting Hellman's to bring back their 1994 test market item, Clamato-flavored mayonnaise, called Clamonaise. Well, no one was able to get Hellman's to do that, so this year, just announced yesterday, Cards Against Humanity has officially launched their own Clamonaise. Available exclusively at Target, and sadly I've heard reports already sold out, Clamonaise is a jar of delicious tangy mayonnaise made with real clams. But that's not all. Inside the jar of mayonnaise is an entire 30-card deck of the brand new Clam Pack expansion. Yes, the entire deck of cards is physically submerged inside the mayonnaise. The company states on their FAQ that they spent months developing an FDA-approved vacuum-packed food-safe mayo-proof card wrapping system. My one friend who got his hands on a car of clamonaise yesterday said that he is waiting to open the jar until he has the right dish to pair it with, so I don't have any first-hand reports to share, but you can watch a few videos on the clamonaise Twitter account to see people pulling the deck of cards out of the mayonnaise jar. If you did get your hands on some clamonaise, be sure to hit up the main website for their official recommended recipes, including a traditional turkey clamwich and clamo wedge salad. Now, like I said, I've seen some reports it is already sold out, but if you're near a Target, could be worth checking just in case. Quoting the FAQ again, Yes, it's a miracle that we convinced a Fortune 500 company to nationally distribute a clam-flavored mayonnaise filled with clam-themed rimjob jokes. So that is the only place you can buy it. End quote. Every purchase comes with a Clamo prize, which could be anything from an actual real pearl to a clam-themed vacation or a Toyota Camry. And by the way, this clam mayonnaise or clamonaise is apparently good. They worked with real professional chefs and everything to make it delicious, although your proximity to New England throughout your life may influence your palate here. And as for any involvement from Hellman's, here's what Cards Against Humanity has to say, quote, The Hellman's Mayonnaise Corporation is a weak, cowardly excuse for a company that has ceded control to feckless dinosaurs who wouldn't know delicious mayonnaise if it was blasted into their mouths with a mayonnaise cannon. If you want to get anything done in this world, you have to do it yourself. Hellman's can hashtag eat my clam. End quote. Wow. Strong words. By the way, if you love the phrase, eat my clam, you can buy it on an official Clamonaise bumper sticker. And if you missed your chance or don't want the jar of mayonnaise, there is an entire line of clam-themed merch on the site as well. As they say, clamonaise isn't just a delicious tangy spread, it's a lifestyle. You can get clam jamas or pajamas, booty shorts, hoodies, t-shirts, a silkscreen poster, seafood bibs, a mug that says, don't talk to me before I've had my clamonaise, the clam pack expansion deck housed in a normal box instead of a jar of mayonnaise, and a copy of Moby Dick that has been entirely edited word by word to be about clams and mayonnaise. The story of Captain Clambo and the crew of the SS Clam Slammer has been renamed Clammy Dick. I am just so happy for all of us that every bit of this is real. You know, some geniuses work for years to launch spacecrafted asteroids in a bid to save humanity from potential annihilation, and others, they make an entire line of exquisite clam-themed merchandise. 
To paraphrase Robin Williams' character in Dead Poets Society, medicine, law, business, engineering, those are noble pursuits and necessary to sustain life. But clamonais is what we stay alive for. All right, well, that's going to be it from me for today. This show was produced by Ride Home Media. I'm Jackson Bird, and I will talk to you again tomorrow.